38, knowing several um, families would be stuck due to the snow. We got a lot of families up on high on hills and some places in lower valleys where the ice gets really frozen. Um, I delayed um, our message on the second coming of Christ till next week because several of them were intrigued or wanting um, to listen to it. Um, Alan was like, let's just do it with whoever's here today. I want to hear it now. <laughs> um, um, Job 38. And um, due to the ice on the sidewalks and the roads as well, we're going to go ahead and postpone our outreach to next week. Um, I was thinking initially, you know, maybe I'll just still go out. But, you know, you just want to be careful for you we know, don't want any kids or ladies to fall on the ice, um, break their head open. Or maybe it won't be that dramatic, but just um, just a precaution. And so next week as well will be our potluck. And um, I apologize for not having a, um, a bulletin ready um, for that. We should have one next week, but um, shared meal um, next week. So um, I'm bringing um, for our theme for next week will simply be favorites. So whatever's one of your favorite meals, um, if you plan on making that, and then after the shared meal, um, we'll go out for a little bit for our outreach and um, canvas um, an area either in Napa Vine or in Shehewis. Um Job 38 in verse 22, um, it says, Has thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hill? Which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. By what way is the light parted, which scatter of the east wind upon the earth, who have divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and you cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a fodder? Or who have begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven who have gendered it? The waters are hid is with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would um, bless your word. Um, as we talk about one of your creations, um, snow. And um, it snows all around us today. And we just thank you, Lord, for the snow. We just pray, Lord, for people's safety um, as well and driving home and wh wherever they may be needing to go. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here in Job, it talks about snow. Snow being something that came um, from the Lord. Um, who, who likes to make snowmen? Anybody like making snowmen? And my kids said they made one this week, but at first I only saw the bottom of it. But what they say of snowmen is that they're like the perfect man, well-rounded and with his own broom. Um, they used to have the brooms with them, amen? 
And then they also say that how are snowmen and real men alike? They are all flaky. I couldn't say that of a woman or I'd be in trouble. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and what did the snowman say as the temperature began to rise? I'm losing my head as it rolls off and stuff from the snow and stuff. But we see from text that the Bible talks about snow um, is treasures um, of snow. And skeptics will, um, will talk about these passages and talk about how the Bible is so unscientific because it acts like there's some kind of treasuries of snow um, somewhere um, that God just lets out of heaven. But this is a poetic language. It's, it's very obvious in what it's talking about. Yes, I, we, as Christians, we don't believe ice comes out of a woman's womb or anything like that. Okay, The Bible kind of uses these analogies. And then really is saying that, you know what? It doesn't come from any of that. It comes from the Lord. 24 times the Bible talks about snow specifically, and one time uses the phrase, a snowy day. And today we definitely have a snowy day. And a man explains that scientific things about nature in a way to exclude God. But the Bible talks about how every good gift comes from God. Psalm 148.8 says, Fire and hell, snow and vapor. Stormy wind fulfilling his word. Now all these things, you know, the Bible even talks about the mountains that explode. In other words, volcanoes. Now all of these go off, all of these things happen in fulfillment of the command of the Lord. Of fulfilling God's um, word. Of fulfilling his will. And so this passage teaches us the concept that God stores up snow as he pleases and dispenses it at his choosing. That God is sovereign in the affairs of this life. That even the weather comes from the Lord. Yes, we see that God has given man intelligence um, to some degree in the sense that that man could give a forecast of what the weather's going to be like. They're about 50%, right? <laughs> well, generally, you know what? They, they predicted that there would be a lot of snow. Some were predicting, though, that it was going to be 18 to 24 inches. Um, we didn't see that at all here. Um, but some areas got, got about 12 inches or so. But this is, you know, it, it's the snow, the weather still comes from the Lord. And we so often see things happen um, with the weather that goes completely opposite of what is predicted. You know, over and over, especially in the political world, you know, they always warn of global warming, global warming. And it used to be, um, years ago, it was always about global cooling, that the world's going to end because the earth's going to get too cold. And then they started saying, you know what, global warming... You know what, man-made global warming. And it was so funny that it was about a decade ago, or almost a decade ago, when they had to cancel a global warming conference because of a blizzard. 
It, it, sometimes I think God does simply have a sense of humor that they had to cancel it and everyone was getting trying to get there to this conference in airplanes, which they claim to be against and everything. So very hypocritical in that sense. But God dispenses the weather as he sees fit. Scientists tell us that snowflakes are born in clouds containing moisture. The conditions must be just right for this to take place. The temperature must be well below the freezing point of water. And then there needs to be dust in the air. And that, that the tiny snow crystals form around that dust. And so whenever you're out there eating snow, just think about all the dust and dirt you're eating. Such so clean. Mmm, clean dust, huh? But the tiny snow crystals form around the, that dust, and then as it falls from the sky, um, they often get larger because they pick up more moisture in the atmosphere. But what scientists forget to mention is who controls the conditions of the atmosphere? Who created the clouds that act as a storehouse? Who dispenses the snow at his choosing? If God is in control of the snow, and if God can dispense the snow upon the earth as he pleases, cannot he also dispense things to us as we need things? As we're going through things and we have need, and we don't know where it's going to come from, we must remember, cannot God dispense for our needs? And not always when we just want it to happen, but when God wills for it to happen. When we have trials in our life, when we have hardships, you know what? God could be using those to build us, to shape us, to mold us, to use us. Remember, He's the potter, and we are the clay. But life will be so much less stressful. Much and less. Those are good words to go together. Much less stressful if we really trust in God. Okay, trusting God is more than, I'm not talking about just trusting Jesus for salvation. I'm talking about trusting God with your day-to-day -day life. That in, when you're in hard times, when you're going through struggles in life, to trust that God... You're allowing this to happen. You're orchestrating this to happen in my life. I don't know how you're using it, Lord, but I'm going to trust in you with it. When someone gets cancer or some kind of disease or whatever it may be, um, and those are all consequences, not necessarily of an individual's particular sin at that time, but it is part of the curse of a sin-cursed world. But yet God could use those in our life and in the life of others to draw us closer to Him, to show forth His glory. And whatever happens, may we clean you, God. You may be meant for this to be. God, help me through it. Give me the strength. Help me to be a testimony. Help me to bring forth praises of joy. That God, who is in control of the snow, 
is in control and oversees the situations that happen in our life. James 1.17 is what I was referring to earlier, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and come up down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And then with the trials, the Bible talks about how his, um, gold is purified, that, that we are able to be purified through the trials that we go through. Go ahead and turn to Job 37. We see the hand of God even more. The God in Job 37, 5 says, God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things do of he, which we cannot comprehend. There are things that God does that we can't comprehend. That we're not going to understand at all. That things happen. That even bad things happen, we can't comprehend it. And that's where we see the world, the lost, they keep on questioning that if God is an all-loving God, why does He allow all these bad things to happen? When one, the bad things happen because of a sin-cursed world. But we see a God that will one day, will redeem the land, the creation of its, itself. And he'll ask, but if God is good, can't he make this not happen? Yes, he can. Why doesn't he? I can't comprehend that at times. But we can trust that will not the judge of the earth do right. Will not the king of kings do right. Great things do of he which we cannot comprehend. And for he saith to the snow, be thou on the earth. Likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength, he still of up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into the dens and remain in their places. Out of the south come of the whirlwind and cold out of the north. And so the snow comes um, at times and it puts the animals back in their dens and it, it, it keeps some people from the work that they're doing. Okay, a farmer's not going to do the same kind of work in the, in the middle of a snowstorm. And, and it keep people home today, okay? The snow kept some people home. But you know what? This is God's doing. You know what? God it, um, orchestrates the weather. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. And we know from the word of God that he spoke the world into existence. And he's the one controlling it all. Um, Job 26. Go ahead and go back there. Job 26 in verse 7. It says, He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. And we see that the Lord uses his science as Call it the law of gravity. What we see is God is holding the earth and the other worlds together by the word of His power. And He hanged the earth upon nothing. 
that the earth is not resting on turtles or on Hercules or um, any kind of um, other kind of creature, but the earth hangs on nothing. Isaiah 40, 22 talks about, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. That there is, the earth is a circle or a spear. And there are things about um, snow that snow is able to do. Got some snow right here. It's nice snow. One thing that snow is really good for is you look outside and what, what will experiment right here. Snow covers up ugly things. Okay? Snow covers up ugly things. Okay? Just so no one cries. Okay? I'll put me too. Okay? Okay? It will make even the ugly look beautiful. You know what? You look outside. You know what? You look at some of the um, neighborhood where it's real trashy. It looks better with snow upon it. You, you go to a car junkyard. After a great snowfall, it looks good. It looks pretty. You look at ugly, barren land, and the snow comes, and it looks pretty. Snow covers ugly sights. Trash piles, wrecked cars, ugly landscape, whatever it may be, snow makes it look much more beautiful. You know what? The blood of Jesus covers ugly sights. The blood of Jesus Christ covers ugly sights of our sin. Psalm 51, 7 says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come now, and let us reason together, say of the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so just as the snow may pour down on, on, a, on a landfill, a dump, and it makes it look nice. The blood of Jesus Christ not only makes us look nice, it washes our sin away. And you think again about dirt. Um, that that's what the snow is around dust, around dirt and stuff. The blood of Jesus washes our sin away, washes the dirt away in our life. God has taken the dirtiest of sinners of the world and made them clean, white as snow. First Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus likewise said that he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That Jesus came to seek and you save that which was lost. And so here we as a church, yes the church is the assembly of the saints. But it's the assembly of the saints. Our mission is not to just go around the world to find the good, the righteous, the holy people. We're to go find the sinners. Those that are addicted to any kind of addiction there may be. Those that are down. 
the prostitutes, um, any sin that you can think of, the proud, the jealous, the envious, the murderer, we're to be giving the gospel to them. That it is the gospel that washes them white as clean. We see that the Apostle Paul, through the authority of the government, went and had Christians killed. But then the blood of Jesus changed him. Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He recognized himself as the chief of sinners. And we do well if we looked at ourselves that way. That instead of having looks of condemnation or judgment upon the wicked, to see a soul that is lost. Yes, there's times we know with the wickedness, we need to stand against the evil, to stand against the wickedness. To stand against the evil of legislators want to legalize that a child could be aborted right after being born. Yes, be angry at that. But understand too, they have a soul and that they need Jesus Christ. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Jesus is pure. Snow reflects purity. It's while you um, look at the snow and um, you think that it's pure as long as it's not yellow. Okay? okay, Then it's pure. You look at it as something that is clean and that people could eat, even though it has all the dirty stuff from the sky and stuff. And it's something I learned, too, is how dangerous distilled water can be if you drink a lot of it. People drink, well, sometimes they'll do it fast, or thinking if I have distilled water, it's going to um, help me. But if you fast while drinking distilled water, it could really hurt your body. You know, there's a the nutrition that, you know what, God has put in the water that, that's helpful, and when you take everything out, it can be harmful. And while a little bit of snow is not going to hurt you, if you made that your diet all the time, it can. But when we look at it snow, we see it is pure, clean, pure. I'm going to turn you first Peter 2. So instead of distilled water, I'm just going to keep drinking water with the chlorine in it from the city. I'm just going to, that's probably not any healthier either. But 1 Peter 2, 21 says this. For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to, to him that judged of righteously, who his own self bare our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live, unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And so Jesus is pure. Jesus Christ was the spotless Son of God. 
And then you go to verse 18. It said, um, um, chapter 1, in verse 18... It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That we see Jesus was pure and Jesus makes us pure. By his blood. In verse 15, it says, But as he which have called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And so just as snow is seen as being something pure, and we're made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ, but our life should show a life of purity. That when people see us, they see a pure life. They see a life of people that are pure. Um, go ahead and turn you Titus. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the grace of God does not come upon us and didn't give us a desire to have an attitude, I am free to sin because I'm saved, but rather the grace of God that brings salvation, that appears to all men, teaches us to deny ungodliness. And so it's those that don't believe in eternal security will often mock us and say, oh, you believe just live like the devil all you want, you're still saved. He goes, well, you know, if my child sins against me a whole bunch, you know, he's still my son. But, you know, if he wants to live right, you know, he's not going to want to keep on doing that. Well, well, the pleasure of sin, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But no, but because I'm saved, because I've been made pure, I want to live for Jesus. You want to live for Him. You know, as snowflakes also, they say, come in all different shapes and sizes. That every snowflake, um, we don't have a microscope in here, but that every snowflake is different. That there are no two snowflakes that are identical. They are all different. Now, I don't know how they really know that because no one man has studied every single snowflake throughout all of history. Nobody has. So how do they know a snowflake here doesn't match one in Russia? But they are all different, okay? There is a uniqueness about them. And they're probably right. Okay, there are 
that man has classified snowflakes into 35 general categories. Some narrow it down to 10. Um, and so some of them look like needles under a microscope. Some look like stars. Some like trees. Some look like fish bones. Some look like bullets. But no two are exactly the same. They have their own shape, their own identity. They know every one of us. Children, every one of you is unique. And yet all made in the image of God. And yet there is a uniqueness about us. We come in different sizes, different shapes, different needs. We may have different desires. Not one of us is exactly the same. Even identical twins. They are not exactly the same. God made us all different. Some tall, some shorter. Some have darker skin. Some have lighter colored skin. Some have different color. We all have different colored hair. Some have long, big noses like pastors. Some have little, tiny noses. We are all made differently. You know, kids, you know, hold out your hands. You know, you look at your neighbor's hands and your fingerprints, your palms, they all look different from one another. They're not exactly the same. How can God think of so many different patterns and of fingerprints? It's amazing. We can't comprehend everything about God. And like snow, we have a designer. We have a creator that knew us before we were formed in the womb, who knit us together distinctly to be different from everybody else. Like snow, we have distinction. We all have a distinct purpose in our life. We may not all know what it is the day we're born. Okay, we just know we're hungry. Okay, we're crying. But God has a will. He has a desire for us. And they're all unique. Not everybody is called to be a preacher. Not every pastor's son is called to be a preacher. And just if you imagine, imagine if everybody was called to be an electrician. And... If that's all everybody knew how to do, we would just have a bunch of wires and maybe conduit, but we wouldn't have any walls. Maybe they'd make walls out of a bunch of pipes or something. But I'm thankful there's carpenters, that there's people that frame, people that build um, houses. I'm thankful for people that build cars. You know, there are different things that God gives an interest to people for. And you know where to develop those things. God has a purpose um, for snow. And he has a purpose for us. We have a destiny. Snow has more of a purpose than just to grace our landscape with beauty. You know, we can see God's purpose even in the smallest of things. There are probably be benefits to snow that scientists haven't even yet discovered. Things that people don't even know that snow does. One thing that snow does do, though, is it helps clean the atmosphere. That's pretty neat. You know, you have a good snowfall. It cleans of the dust. 
and then it falls all on us. What's another good thing to do for snow, Ephraim? Huh? How about you, Titus? What do you like snow for? Building stuff. Brogan, do you like building stuff? You building stuff out of snow? What did you build this week? It's always you, all right. It's still in your yard, all right. And one thing that a snowman will do, it'll last a little bit longer than the rest of the snow. One thing I like doing is throwing snowballs. Is that something you like doing? <laughs> See, there are all kinds of uses of snow. I didn't say you were ugly. You don't have to cover yourself like with it. <laughs> But God, you know what? The children, they have fun running around throwing snowballs. You know what? God knew that when he created us. When he created the earth, when he had snowfall come, God knew all of that. They like it for about five minutes, and then they come in whining that they got hit in the face by their siblings and that they're not going to play anymore, even though they're the ones that started. <laughs> but God made us all different. Yet we all have a common need, Jesus Christ, for salvation. You could be big, you could be little, tall, short, smart, you could be dumb, you could be pretty ugly, <laughs> famous, not famous, rich, poor. We all need Jesus for salvation. We all need him. Joey, if you want to go ahead and come prepare um, another thing about snow is it appears. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw any more. Okay? <laughs> but you take snow, and it appears for a little while, but it disappears. It melts. Eventually, it, it, it goes up. It's a vapor. Maybe after it's gone down in the river. But it appears, and then it vanishes. And so do we. Whereas you know not what's going to happen with your life. It appears for a little while. But then it vanishes away. Proverbs says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If God were to say to you this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Where would your soul appear? Would it be in heaven? Or would it be in hell? Ephraim? Where would it be? Jesus is the only way to salvation. If you don't know Jesus is your Savior... You know what? We could make it settled today. You know, Ellen did a great message on assurance of salvation this morning. That you know what? Sometimes people don't remember the day they were saved. And sometimes people worry about that. You know, I remember talking with Elena about her salvation. You know, before we baptize people, we want to make sure they're saved before they're baptized. Okay? 
And, and I was asking her, do you remember what day you were saved? She's like, no, I don't. That's okay. It doesn't mean she's not saved. She told me, she goes, but I know I believe Jesus. I know I believe in Jesus. I've trusted in Him. What day, what moment that officially began, she may not remember. But she knows presently that she knows Jesus Christ is our Savior. You know, I remember going through a time of doubt, even at Bible college, simply because I did not remember the day. I remember the uh, year, what age I was, but I didn't remember the day. So I started to have doubt. And it wasn't necessarily because the teachers were putting that pressure on me. But there is something around where, you, man, you're around the Word of God every day. You know what? The Bible talks about making assurance. You know what? Make your election and calling sure. Boys, not right now. We'll go outside in a little bit. Dad wasn't good at sample, but it was part of the illustration. Okay. If you don't know you're safe, make sure you are. Okay. Make sure make your calling and election sure. No, turn around. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the snow. We thank you for the beauty it brings. We thank you for the purity that it symbolizes. We thank you, Lord, as we could see that it covers even ugly things. And yet that's just temporary. But the blood of Jesus Christ, when it washes us clean, it is permanent. And we thank you, Lord, that our salvation is permanent in you. We thank you, Lord, for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.